0: Welcome to Language Stories, a podcast discovering languages around the world and meeting the people who speak them. It's season two. We've flown halfway across the world from the Americas, and now for this season, we're exploring Southeast Asia. I'm Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages, a language-obsessed chica on the constant exploration of language no matter where I am in the world. And this episode, welcome to Laos. Laos. It's always interesting to discover how others learn languages, what it's like to learn a language in a different place, and to get a glimpse into language education in parts of the world very different to where we live ourselves. That's what this episode is all about. We'll hear three very different stories from three very different organisations and language schools, all doing their bit to teach language in Laos. But hang on a minute. Where even is Laos? Can you find it on a map? Often overshadowed by some of its better-known neighbours, Laos is a quietly confident country nestled between Thailand and Vietnam, Cambodia and China. It's somewhere not many people know much about, so, you know, why not go there?
1: When we saw the deal for Laos, we were just like, where is that? I mean, what do we even know about this country? okay let's just do it like we know nothing about it but let's go for it anyway because it just seemed like such a magical little place and um yeah we're just kind of like hoping to learn a little bit more about a place we had no idea about so that's definitely what drew us um initially
0: that's tanya who with her partner evan took a spontaneous trip to Laos a couple of years back which turned out to leave more of a mark than just a suntan
1: You know, Laos went from a place that I had never thought of before to a place I think of every day now, and it's all because of those kids.
0: We'll hear more from Evan and Tanya, and exactly what happened during and since their first trip to Laos in a moment. But first, let's head to the capital city, one of the more relaxed capital cities in the world, Vientiane. One morning, we made our way across the city to meet Rachel, a fellow Brit living and working in the country for a number of years. She teaches English at ADA, a language school with centres around the country.
2: Hi, my name is Rachel. I'm from England and I live in Vientiane in Laos and I work at ADA Language Centre. So ADA stands for Anglican Relief and Development Agency, so it's actually owned by the Anglican Diocese of Singapore. And they started the Vientiane Language Centre in 1992 in a different building and it's moved to this site in 1996. And since then, we've had centres, language centres open in Vientiane and Baxay and Samanakeh in the south of Laos and the north of Laos, respectively. And we have also a vocational training centre um, in Vientiane and a centre for children as well. So it's grown from wow. one language centre to a group of centres. Um, and what is the importance then of teaching English to Laos speakers? I think it's a growing importance. So. These days, tourism is the fastest growing industry in the country. It's one of the major industries, There's lots of tourists coming in, lots of businesses that are becoming more international. So students and their families are realizing that English is vital in terms of employment possibilities, career possibilities. A lot of the high school age students that we're teaching at the moment, um, they realize they can study overseas if they have a basic level of English. So I think particularly in the cities, um, English is just becoming more and more important because it's becoming the international trade language.
0: But remember, although English is seen and heard across the world in various forms of media, from signboards and brand names to TV and YouTube, Lao and English are very different languages. I wanted to know from Rachel what learners typically find difficult about learning English.
2: I think there's a couple of things. And the first is an obvious one. There's a lot of letters that English has that... Lao doesn't have things like consonant clusters. Lao language doesn't doesn't usually have and um, final consonants in words. They don't have as great a variety as we do. So that's the, the the and the the um, yeah. often just very difficult for them to be able to make the sounds because they don't have those sounds in their own language. Yeah. The second thing, which is probably the the biggest thing actually, is um, spelling because Lao is a phonetic. Language so if you can read the letters and you know the tone rules in our La language You can in theory read everything perfectly. You might not understand it, but you can read it They'll come to us and they'll kind of they'll, they'll, they'll say English have this many tenses. We want we want to learn the tenses and um, So it's a, a mental thing actually of switching the brain from Knowing the tenses and then being able to speak English to actually saying oh, just we're gonna we're gonna communicate We're gonna practice conversations. We're gonna teach you a couple of tenses every year and practice using those correctly Um, rather than just teaching the grammar rules and then moving on. Okay, on the
0: other end of the scale then, what would you say are the easiest things for Lao speakers learning English? Mm -hmm.
2: I think a lot of Lao people these days are quite confident with basic conversations, Mm -hmm. um, which is good. Lao people are really, they have a really great kind of cultural personality, they're really laid back and relaxed and they're not too worried about making mistakes, if they do it's fine, they'll just laugh at each other and, and move on, so um, we have a lot of students who are, you know, their grammar isn't great, their writing might not be great, but they can communicate fine, you can have a conversation with them and, you know, they might get things wrong, but actually it's fine, we can communicate and stand each other and they're confident, saying the basic, hey, how are you? How long have you been in Laos? What's, you know, yeah. what, what's your job or whatever it is? So I think that's a good um, part of the Lau the spirit, they will just fine I'm just giving it a go that's very useful for language (laughs) learning
0: just not being afraid to to give it a go and kind of make mistakes
3: yeah
0: the teachers at Arda are all native English speakers from various countries is this important for learners so your English teachers are all native
2: speakers correct yes what do you think is the importance of that Mm. so I think there's a few things we get a lot of students who have studied English in their secondary school or in a different language center with a loud teacher and they say it can be very difficult to understand the teacher for one because the teacher maybe a local teacher has quite a heavy accent they haven't learned from from a native english speaker um and it means that all the, i suppose all the pronunciation mistakes kind of transferred and heightened as as it progresses. Um, So I think sort of authentic pronunciation is something that um, as native speakers we really want to work on that they can communicate and sound like they actually could be a native speaker.
0: Mm. Is there a mix there of like British, Australian, American?
2: At the moment we have American, British, um, Singapore, Kiwi, um, so that's always a good. It's it's good because they're exposed to the different accents. No one's saying, okay, you should be speaking in British <laughs> Pronunciation. This is the word, um, yeah. And it's good because they're they're exposed to different words as well, different vocabulary. And mm. um, so the books we use are uh, British English, the syllabus. Um, so uh, most of the vocabulary they learn is British, but certainly I do, and I think a lot of the other teachers we kind of say, okay, so this word trousers, you know, Americans have a different word, and they might use this word so. Just, you know, be aware when you're communicating that these things mean different things to different people. And I think he kind of opens the mind a bit to the diversity of accents and Mm. dialects and the diversity of English language as a worldwide language rather than just as a, it comes from a book and and it's just static.
0: At various points in our interview, Rachel mentioned the Lao spirit, the calm, relaxed and friendly vibe that definitely is apparent across the country. It's a shame that the country isn't more widely known in countries further afield. So I wanted to know what Rachel would want people to know about Laos.
2: The um, Laos country kind of tourist board advertising slogan at the moment is Laos, simply beautiful. Um, it is a sort of simply beautiful country. Um, you should come. Uh, the people are. I think I'd like to highlight the people of Laos have a wonderful spirit, gracious and gentle. And um, The Laos kind of saying its opinion. means like it's fine no problem it will all be okay like let's just relax and um you couldn't find a more laid-back capital city for sure but country in general i think um yeah a lot of people are very special um they're fun they have a a great sense of fun um but also a great sense of just let's enjoy the simple pleasures of life and friendship and community yeah so it's a very special country i would recommend it to anyone who wants to come and visit
0: our next story begins a few years ago When browsing the web one evening, searching for language resources for obscure, lesser studied languages, I'm sure you can relate, I stumbled across MOMO Books, a whole range of books teaching English and even Japanese designed specifically for Lao speakers. And another section of the website called MOMO Sign, an entire collection of videos for Laos, Cambodia, Ghana, Guatemala, Indonesia, Myanmar, Thailand. What was this? Fast forward to me researching for this episode and remembering that website I'd found all those years ago. I reached out to Martin Momoda, the man behind Momo Books. We couldn't do a spoken interview, but he very kindly answered some questions I had via email, including stories of the early days of Momo Books. From 1999, Martin made many visits to Laos and always had conversations with young people who wanted to learn English. He observed a lack of good resources available and made promises to go back and help before finally making the move in 2008. Momo Books was an independent, self-funded effort to provide more language learning materials for Laos students by self-publishing books. Martin told me of his early experiences getting the books out to the people of Laos. I loaded my bicycle with 100 books in the morning and sold door-to-door in all the major cities in Laos. I'd never do this again, but I had to prove that Lao people would buy books and also reclaim the investment I'd made in printing too many of these books. There is, was, no Amazon.com. There are only a handful of bookstores in the entire country, and I couldn't find a distributor. Peddling books on the street is not a prestige thing to do. I heard one woman mutter, look at the foreigner selling books like he's vending noodles. It was a challenge, but kind of fun. It's 4pm and I still have 20 books. I think you can imagine the pleasure when the last book sells and I go home to count change and drink cold beer. Every day and every buyer was different. Some would flip through the pages in 90 degree heat for five minutes only to toss it back in refusal. Then on a lucky day someone from a hotel called and ordered 400. I learned about human behavior and buying habits each morning, I'd map out the streets in order to cover every single establishment in town. Car repairs, beauty salons, fried chicken joints, guest houses, corner dispensaries, temples, car parks, tuk-tuk drivers, cafes, and on and on. Every book sold made my bag slightly lighter. If there were people around, a crowd would form, and if someone started buying, there would be a kind of feeding frenzy. I went to the airport one day, two or three tuk-tuk drivers came and bought books right away drawing a small crowd. The owner of the duty-free shop saw this and immediately bought me out without even opening the cover. Talk about a businesswoman. The next month I saw it selling at the airport shop with a markup from 2 to $12. Banks were good places to sell. I guess tellers get good salaries. After the last sale I'd head down the road only to get a call, one more please. The boss kicked me out of a Korean motorcycle company for disrupting the workplace, and the same for a private school classroom where the administrator ironically yelled out, This is a school, not a marketplace. Government ministries are good places to sell. I think it's because their officials have children, and they know at a policy level why they should be very concerned about the futures of their own children. The higher the floor, the higher the position. I wasn't supposed to be there. One woman reprimanded me How did you get in here? Do you have permission? I'll buy one book. Nowadays, MoMo Books are used as part of a wider programme with EDF, the Education for Development Fund, who Martin put us in touch with. EDF is an organisation that works with the Ministry of Education and Provincial Education Services to work to progressively reduce poverty through developing basic education and improving the education system in Laos. They do a lot of work with rural schools in Laos across various projects one of which involves using momo books to help get English taught in more schools. Cool, and 8,000 primary schools. More than 8,000 primary
4: schools schools in in this country. country. Not that much, (laughs) not so many. How,
0: uh, yeah, I suppose not. It just sounds like such a big number. (laughs) But this
4: already start (laughs) about 300 schools. We have trained teachers for 300 schools in... past two years
0: only in two years yes
4: and we hope we are working hard to to expand
0: how do you decide how do you decide which school is it most rural is it nearest
1: to here we went
4: to the most difficult first Mm. and then if it succeed then we can succeed anywhere
1: ah that is a good tactic
0: and what how did you define the most difficult
4: Okay, first of all, that's about remote okay. access and anywhere we go, we test teachers their level of English and the more it remote, the more it access to material, so we went to the most farthest place we can in this country. Wow.
1: Our technique is like
2: planting seeds wherever we go, or if we're going to do another project and we stop by somewhere we think that it will work, we just try it at one school and then that school will talk to uh, their bosses and, their, and then their bosses mm-hmm. will contact us if they're really interested. They'll let us know and then we try to work and find private donors or you know, um, get donations, in-kind donations with, for materials, for computers. In
0: particular, it's Momo Sign that EDF are using and getting to those rural schools. Momo Sign is something that can be a real game changer for language learning classrooms anywhere. It's so simple, yet so effective. Martin shared an insight into the classroom distractions that got him thinking of Momo Sign. Momo Sign is about a new technique of teaching and learning, essentially because all the books, libraries and schools won't help students learn if teachers are just going through the motions. The effects were obvious in the distracted students I tried to teach. A dog would bark and I could see short-term memory erased. What did I just say? Nobody could answer. For classroom learning, Momo Sign is visual-spatial. There's no chalk, there's no talk, there's no books, copying or listen-repeat. There's nothing to explain. Gestures from sign language work as cues and triggers. Seeing a sign helps learners recall the verbal equivalent. It's also an easy way to drill and more effective than listen and repeat. The reason why attention doesn't need to be forced is because the visual-spatial modality is how we naturally process communication. Observing hands, facial expressions and spatial-temporal orientation helps us to understand the meaning, nuance and emotion of the speaker we observe and respond naturally. But going beyond text and spoken language has been lacking in language instruction studies. Incorporating signs into language learning is seamless. Nobody complains that they're confused with a third language. Nobody questions that this is a special language of the deaf. Students grow big in excitement. Many stand to participate. Movement and signing complete a missing link in language instruction in comparison conventional practices are like teaching a language through morse code momo sign also improves the relationship between teachers and students when attention improves disciplinary problems decrease and teachers naturally discard authoritarian ways the quality of their voice changes their body language relaxes they smile along with students none of this needs to be instructed in teacher training it happens naturally Mm. And how did that start then? How did you and, and my books kind of connect
2: in the first place?
4: Okay, in the first place, I have to mention Martin Muboda. He has tried hard for many years in using sign language mm. because with his effort, with his experience teaching in developing teachers in teacher training college in many places allows. Mm-hmm. He found that the sign language is a method that effective is the effective way to teach English or to communicate with his students. Yeah. But for us when meeting with EDF we have to work with a a lot a big um I a lot of children. They are 8,000 schools in this country, more than 8,000 primary schools in this country, that need English program. So it is impossible for us to go out and teach every teachers. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. videos and uh, video, a little bit technology, like uh, audio video material, yeah. we combine with the sign, making the videos then that can be used with really unqualified teachers. Mm. I don't know each term to use unqualified teachers, but teachers cannot speak English, but they have to teach English. Yeah. So teachers use that videos and in the classroom. Probably they can learn together with the children, so their English also improve.
0: Martin backed up these claims and told me that English was only recently added to the public primary school curriculum so the majority of teachers in service have never learned English and have no working knowledge of the language. This is easily confirmed in remote areas where many teachers cannot write their own name in English and barely know the alphabet. Some get remedial workshops but it's a lot to ask of a middle-aged adult to learn a new language, much less to teach it. The best they can do is write on a board, make the children copy and try to read the words for the students to mechanically repeat. I've spent a lot of time at teacher training colleges because this is where the next generation is being cultivated. But one problem is that anyone who actually gains practical skills in English isn't likely to become a teacher after graduating. With good language skills, there are higher paying jobs in tourism and with international NGOs. A proverb in Lao goes, want to be a teacher? better to raise pigs as essential as this work is it can't be easy so I guess what are the biggest challenges in the work that you do because I'm thinking with the the videos being a really helpful essential part of of this of this is there a difficulty in providing or or making sure that the schools have access to that equipment that they need to play the video you know the audio the is that, is that a challenge?
4: Or? Yeah, the challenge is everywhere. <laughs> I mean, everything we do is all challenging. Yeah. Uh, schools have nothing at all. I don't know if you have visited some schools here, you know, especially in remote area. Yeah. No electricity. But I think they try hard to, to have that. Um, teachers, as I mentioned always, they don't know English at all, but they try. Um, one most challenging for us, I believe, because momosai is that, I don't know if it's new method, but it's completely new here. Mm. So people, it's hard to communicate this new method. So people think of the same way of thinking. teaching as before. Books, writing on blackboard, saying, listen, and say, something like that. But I don't want to criticize this, but children seem not to focus or pay attention to that much, not enough. And many times it's just like a parent But Momosai, we have seen that it's so different. So children really learn something from from what we try to teach them. And that's the the most challenging. So teachers, once they see it, they understand it. But it's really hard to explain at the first place.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think another challenge is also technology and computer because our program we provide the materials and the computer um, and the teachers in the rural area don't know how to use it so part of our workshop is also uh, teaching how to turn on the computer turn off even using the mouse mm-hmm. and using this new technique of teaching English so they have there's the challenge, on the technology, the challenge yeah technology. it's not just
0: getting the equipment no. to the places It's then how to use the equipment when it's there. Despite the challenges, the results so far have been positive, and it's exciting to see what these efforts will bring to the future generations of Laos. And now, a word from our sponsor. Season two of Language Stories is sponsored by Lingora, the 100% free online language community where you can share your spoken and written language practice and get feedback totally free. Hop on to elingora.com and sign up. Next, submit an audio or written text in the language that you're learning and then wait for feedback. Of course, as Lingora is community based, it's nice if you can take a minute or two to give someone else some feedback in a language you already know while you're waiting. And soon enough, there'll be some feedback on your audio and text too. But there's much more to Lingora. You've also got the option for free lessons, live chat and paid for lessons with Tutor. Basically, all bases are covered. This week. I use Lingora to give back to the community and give some feedback. I shared some feedback to an audio clip from someone practicing their English. It was a super easy process with four simple tick box options to give feedback about accent, fluency, intonation and pronunciation. Then you have the chance to give text feedback too, with plenty of editing tools to make it really clear what you want to emphasize and get your point across it felt great to know that i was able to help someone with their language learning completely free sign up at elingora.com now and be sure to give some language feedback to someone today thank you to lingora for sponsoring this season of language stories
4: yeah. they try everything yeah. to to teach i heard one teacher say they asked the high school student to English in the primary class, and it's part of a solution for them.
0: A little older than high school, our final story is about Jer, who teaches English in his village just outside of Luang Prabang. Our story begins with Evan and Tanya.
1: Every single night, um, the locals will set up this, like they uh, shut down one part of the the main street in town and just set up this huge night market. And um, there's also a, another um, kind of more touristy attraction called Pusi Mountain and at the top there's this temple and you can climb it and watch sunset or sunrise it's so beautiful and um, so kind of at the base of that and like right above where the night market was um, we were kind of just taking a break we had just climbed the mountain and wanted to just kind of take a breather and um, all of a sudden a couple Lao students came up to us and kind of broken English they were saying oh excuse me, we are learning English, would you mind just helping us with conversational English? We're just trying to practice. And we said, yeah, absolutely, you know, go ahead. So we just started kind of talking to them and slowly by slowly they just kind of multiplied until we had like 20 or 30 students just surrounding us and all just listening so eagerly, you know, and uh, we ended up spending like two hours there that night. Wow. (laughs) so, at some point, Jerk came up to us um, and told us that he has this classroom he started and all these kids come every single night and they, um, once a week, they go to this area where we met them to practice with foreigners. So every other day during the week, they're like in more traditional classroom style learning, but then this one day of the week, they go and actually use what they've learned with foreigners. So. Um, that's kind of how our paths kind of crossed.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. when you went there then, and when you met Joe, and you met this group, this gaggle of students for the sounds of it—he'd <laughs> already established this classroom. He'd yeah. already got this built in his think, in his backyard. Yeah. Wow. Actually, there's
3: there's a bit of a backstory there. Because oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I think when you visited Lindsay, that was actually classroom number two. Uh, yeah, the first one was. Uh, quite a bit more rudimentary. It was actually the, um, I think it was the living room portion of his cousin's family's house. And so when we visited the the classroom the first time, that was the situation and so Several times during our lessons, he actually had to interrupt the classroom because there was smoke billowing over the partition in the house into the classroom from whatever they were cooking on the other side. (laughs)
1: Like chickens running. Chickens running around
3: (laughs) between your legs. All these stray stray dogs. dogs. Yeah. So it's it's improved quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That was the original classroom.
0: When we met Jir in Luang Prabang, as Evan said, we visited Jir's class one evening. Jir lives in a small rural village not far out of the tourist-filled town of Luang Prabang. A dirt road leads down to his family home, where the classroom stands tall and proud in the yard. It's a simple yet effective structure. In fact, it seems wrong to call it simple. I could never build anything like that. Wooden slats make up the walls with a corrugated roof and concrete floor. There's light and power and rows of table and chairs facing the front of the classroom, where Jer's desk sits to the left and a portable whiteboard is in the centre, looking back out to the tables and chairs. Jer teaches here a lot, multiple classes every weekday evening, as he told us the first time we met at a riverside outdoor cafe in Luang Prabang.
5: I teach differently from the other private English center. Mm. Uh, I searched lesson, I searched lesson lessons on YouTube, and also I chose the most important part, like the common part, the, peop, the people we use to speak uh, in any books, in English books, mm. to teach for my students. So in, in each day I teach differently. I pick uh, to teach grammar uh, on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday and Friday I teach about speaking. Ah, uh, using Thursday. Thursday, I took all my students to search uh, foreigners in town, okay. like uh, I teach three classes per day, beginner, intermediate and also pre advanced uh-huh. and total three classes are around okay.
0: 80 to All together? Yeah, all together. So now the classroom is, is a good size because the classes are split? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And
5: we use only one class, but we just separate to study in each time.
0: And did you build the classroom?
5: Yes. Wow. Um, my family, cousins, and students—they helped me to build the class. Wow. Uh, and also, we. Before that, I talked to one of my friends in the US, and he. Have helped me to raise some half half money to. Yeah. Build the class.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Those friends from the U.S. are Evan and Tanya, whom upon returning home from their trip to Luang Prabang were so inspired by the enthusiasm of the children they met at the school and by Jer that they set up a non-profit organisation to fund the new classroom, the one that we visited.
1: You then went home
0: two weeks later, completely (laughs) like, wow, this whole new bunch of memories going on in your head. What happened next?
1: So, um... And it actually kind of started with that school that we were initially talking about. So because we, this first school that we saw was in shambles, and just you could really tell they they needed something. They needed some somebody to kind of step in and help. Um, well, we knew we you know didn't have the funds ourselves to help them, but we we said you know there's got to be something we can do to help them get initially get these funds to build this classroom and see where that goes and. So uh, we kind of sat down one night, talked about it, and decided we would start this nonprofit for them. Um, it's called Loves Learns English.
3: So he's, um, he's been able to take some of the money that we've raised through the organization and build that new classroom in conjunction with some loans that he's taken out from his family.
0: It's incredible to think how much impact a spontaneous trip to a country they knew very little about had on Evan and Tanya's lives, but not just on their lives on the students' lives and on Jer and his family's lives too. Access to language learning can make a real impact on everyone's life. You've been listening to Language Stories, a podcast by Lindsay Does Languages. If you like what we do and you like video, then head on over to our YouTube channel where you can watch the sister video to this podcast episode. See inside Jer's classroom, see more of Laos itself. Just search Lindsay Does Languages on YouTube and on our channel, you'll see the playlist for language stories. Special thanks for this episode go to Martin Momoda. Check out momobooks.org to learn more. The Education for Development Fund. Learn more at edflao.org. Arda Language Centres, especially Rachel for speaking with us. They offer Lao lessons for foreigners too. Find out more at ardalaos.com. Evan, Tanya, Jer and all his students we met in Luang Prabang. In particular, the guys that gave us a ride back into town. Learn more about what they're doing at laoslearnsenglish.org. And of course, to our sponsor for this series, Lingora a place to share your spoken and written language practice and get feedback completely free. Woohoo! Visit elingora.com to sign up for free today. Be sure to leave a review if you enjoyed this episode as that helps new listeners to find the podcast easier. You write the review and leave the rest to the tech robots. And finally, if you have a language story that you'd love to share, or, if you know someone that does, get in touch. You can email me at lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, at doeslanguages.com. That's lindsay at doeslanguages.com. I always love to hear from you. As always, you can follow me in all the usual places. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that jazz. And learn more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com. Until next time, keep learning languages and keep sharing stories. like on!